the, the motivate, motivational speaker and probably multimillionaire, Tony Robbins, he said that all successful people have this in common. He said, highly successful people are always hungry. And he went on to say, if you can maintain a constant sense of hunger, you will be driven to achieve your most outlandish dreams. Now, obviously, the kind of hunger that he's talking about isn't a, a physical hunger for food, but it's a, a hunger, a desire, a drive, right, to be the best, to accomplish much, to, to be successful. And yet, the reality is a lot of us have lived our lives chasing after success, hungering and desiring, you know, to be the best at something only to find ourselves wanting for more and never truly satisfied. It works sometimes. I mean, you think about people like uh, Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods, you know, and the drive to be the best. And, and yes, they were very successful and yet filled with a lot of deep desires and needs in their life. So maybe it's not just uh, the fact of that we desire or are hungry, but it's maybe more of a question of, what we hunger for. And this weekend, as we walk into this next beatitude that Jesus shares as part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to uh, introduce us to uh, an alternative hunger, but a hunger that can truly satisfy the depths of our souls. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, And here's what Jesus had to say next in this infamous sermon. He said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Jesus is introducing us a different kind of hunger and a different object that we should hunger and thirst after. So it begs the question, what does it really mean to be hungry or to be thirsty, as Jesus is talking about it? And I think it means to have a vivid desire. And all of us can relate to this. I think that's why Jesus used this as the word picture here. All of us know what it means to have a vivid desire, a deep hunger, a, a longing thirst. It was, you know, it's for that special burger that you've just been dying for. Or for me... It's a little bit of Nettie's. Anybody ever been to Nettie's hot dog stand over uh, in Marblehead? Last weekend, last weekend uh, I got to teach at our Port Clinton campus. And afterwards, uh, we had driven separately. And so Carter and I, when we headed home, well, we didn't quite head home. <laughs> we took a little detour and we stopped at Nettie's. And he, had, uh, he was excited. I was excited. You know, I wanted to have one of their chili dogs. I, I had one like a long time ago. I did not remember how incredible it was. I mean, I got out of the car, Carter waits, I went and got in line, put my mask on, I'm waiting in there because, you know, there's a bunch of people lined up because it's a hot spot, especially on a Sunday afternoon as everybody from Catawba and Marblehead that have been out there camping and boating are heading home, and and I'm in the line, and finally I get up there and I order two dogs and a a fry to share, and we had a big root beer. And I get get back in the car and we start eating, and, you know, well, about two and a half minutes later, my chili dog's gone. It was... It was so good, 
I got out of the car, went back, got back in line, bought another one. Truth be told, as we pulled away from that, it's a little tears trickled down my eye. I could, I mean, I was, I could have eaten another one. You know, the problem with, with, with physical hunger is that it will come back, right? And, and, and I'll tell you this all week long. In fact, last night, truth be told, I got home from Saturday night service. I made chili dogs. They weren't nutties, but I mean, it was a chili dog. And, and this week I put, picked Carter up from soccer practice one night and he was all hot and sweaty, flops into the car and he goes, dad, he goes, you know what sounds good right now? I'm like, what's that, Carter? He's like, Nettie's. He's like, you know what, Dad, we should do? Anytime that we even think about going to McDonald's, we should just go to Nettie's. And we have been hungering and thirsting <laughs> for a Nettie's chili dog yet again. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying that there ought to be something in our life that we are absolutely driven at, that we cannot get off our minds that we are longing for, except it's not Nettie's. He says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So in other words, he's saying to vividly desire what is right. Well, that's a hard question even to answer in today's society, right? Because what is right? Who's right? In a day and age when so few people believe in absolute truth and would say, you know, hey, you just believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe. And hey, your truth is your truth and it's good for you and your truth, oh, it's your truth and it's good for you. The problem is if, if someone is trying to grab a hold of a promise that's made based upon somebody else's truth, it may or may not be true. That's why it's important to remember who was saying these words. It was Jesus. Jesus was the one giving the promise about a blessed life, a deeply satisfied life, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. So it's, when Jesus says this, it's what's right according to Jesus, because that's what the promise of being blessed and the good life is tied to. And Jesus is the one that said some other things. Like, for instance, Jesus made another promise. He said, I'm going to die, be buried, put in a tomb, and three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And Jesus went on to do that. <laughs> like His words have got to carry some eternal weight. And so he's the one that is making this promise to anybody that would listen, that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, to have a vivid desire for what is right, what is right according to his truth, uh, that's where the blessed life begins. Now, when we go to the Bible, uh, righteousness is looked at from a couple different facets. And I would say it this way, that righteousness is both a gift and it's also an ongoing process in our life. Why do I say righteousness is a gift? Well, when we think about being right with God, I was, we dropped our girls off at college, and on the way back alongside the highway, I saw a road sign, and it simply said, get right with God. 
And I, I understand the person's probably intention in, in, in putting it there, but I thought to myself, of all the people that are whizzing by this sign on the highway, if somebody were to look up and say, oh, I need to get right with God, would they know how to even do that? How does that happen? The righteousness that Jesus is talking about, in part, is a, a personal or you could say a positional righteousness. Like, what is my standing before God? Am I right with God or right before God? And the problem is most of us have grown up thinking that, well, one, it's my responsibility to get right with God. And how do I do that? Well, I, I need to do the right thing, right? I need to uh, avoid bad things and do good things. And I, somehow I need to earn my way back to God, that my standing before God is somehow dependent upon me. And yet, written reality, that's not what the Bible teaches. God's own truth says that, that righteousness is not possibly accomplished by you and me on our own. But instead, it's a gift. Uh, Paul wrote it this way in the book of Romans. He said, for everyone has sinned. That's the things that short-circuit our right standing before God. For we all fall short of God's glorious standard. None of us are going to be able to be completely righteous. Okay? Verse 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. It is a gift to be made right with God. It says, how did he do this? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. See, all of sin, we all fall short, and we can't free ourselves from our sins, and so we can't be in right standing before God. And that's why God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place to free us from our sins. He goes on, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, and people are made right with God when they do the right things. Is that what it says? No. People are made right with God when they believe. And when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The way that we are made right with God is by our faith in Jesus and what he did on our behalf. So are you right with God? It's an important question. When Jesus says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, essentially with this aspect of righteousness, he's saying it's those who hunger and thirst for Jesus himself. And know that without Jesus and his gift of righteousness, we'll never be able to stand before a holy God. But there's a second aspect to righteousness. Not only is it a gift, I said before that it's also a process in our life. A process of becoming right and doing right. Of living out our faith and following Jesus. Of letting the character of Jesus begin to influence our character on a day-to-day -day basis. We might call it uh, practical righteousness. And what does that look like then on an everyday basis? I love how the prophet Micah simplifies it down to three phrases. 
probably a well-known verse to many in the room. He says, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What does it look like to hunger and thirst for practical righteousness in our lives? It's to hunger and thirst to do what is right. Not because we have to or not because we're trying to earn our way back to God, but because God has graciously given us right standing before him through Jesus. And because of that, I want to live out of that position now. And I want to do what is right. Right according to who? Not me, not the world, not somebody else. Right according to Jesus, the one who gave his life for me. And then to love mercy. Instead of a longing for retribution and revenge, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's a longing for there to be mercy. For us to extend mercy to others. And finally, to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to walk humbly with God. That's what we talked about last weekend. Bless, Jesus said, God blesses those who are meek, that, that are humble, that are servant-hearted. He says, this is righteous living. It's humble. It's truthful. It's right. And how we live out our faith, this righteousness, impacts not just our life. It doesn't just lead us to the good life, a deep-down satisfaction. It has the potential to lead others to the good life, to that same deep-down satisfaction that every single one of us is longing for. That's why in the midst of this series, we've been weekly doing the Be the Light Challenge. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words, You are the light of the world. So let your good deeds, or you could say, let your righteous deeds, your right ways of living, your right acts, uh, let them shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise you for being such a good guy. No, that's not what it says, does it? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That God would get the credit for how we live. And that will happen when we live rightly, according to his ways. You see, how we live impacts the people around us and has the potential to change lives. So every week we're given a, just a practical challenge, a way to live out our faith. And here's the challenge for this week. It's just to have three encouraging conversations, but to have those conversations with somebody that you wouldn't normally talk to. Stretch ourselves out of our comfort zone. Have a conversation with the person that you always see at the grocery store, that, you, that we don't stop to talk to. Uh, have a conversation with the neighbor that, you know, you always wave, but you never just walk over and check in. To, to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst to be used by God. So that's our challenge this week. Maybe it's somebody that is kind of different than us. Maybe it's somebody that's from a different socioeconomic 
background. Maybe it's somebody of a different skin color. Let's stretch ourselves to be the light this week. Jesus is inviting us into the good life. And he gives us all these kind of oxymorons along the way that seem like, man, I, I didn't think that was the way to get there. And this weekend, he reminds us that God blesses those that hunger and thirst, but not, not for power, not for success. But those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says, they will be satisfied. I was thinking about it in my own life. There's only a couple of times when I'm not hungry. <laughs> Either it's because I'm satisfied, like I've just eaten and I'm, I'm good. And for some of us in the room, spiritually speaking, you're satisfied, you're good. You, you've been feeding on a daily basis God's truth in your life. And, 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 and you just have a deep sense of soul satisfaction because you're, you're following him and walking with him. There's two other times that I know that I'm not hungry. Sometimes, sometimes it's when I'm sick. And everybody's saying, well, you need to eat something. You need to drink something. But you just don't feel good and something's off and something's not right. And you say, no, nah, I, just, I just can't eat right now. I just don't want anything. You know, the same thing can happen in our spiritual journeys. It's not that we're against God. It's not that we're avoiding Jesus, but there's, I don't know, there's just no, there's no hunger. There's no longing. There's no appetite. And maybe it's a sign of something that's unhealthy, something that's sick. And the other time that a person doesn't hunger anymore is when they're not even alive. And it could be that you're here this weekend and You've never come to real life in Jesus. And you don't know about this spiritual hunger and thirst because you've just been living so parched and empty. And Jesus is just saying, come to me. And for others of us in this room, we just need to pray, Jesus, I don't know what's wrong inside. And where I don't have a hunger and a thirst for you, I pray that you would make me hungry again. Would you pray with me? Lord, wherever we're at, thank you that you are the feast that our souls long for, whether we recognize it or not. For someone here that maybe has never put their faith and trust in you, Jesus, Maybe they've been trying all their life to get right with God, but it's only been by doing, trying to do the right things, and it's exhausting because we're all imperfect. God, would you help them today recognize that righteousness is a gift? And it comes when we put our belief, our faith in you, Jesus. And for many of us in this room, Lord, we're here, but... Maybe it's out of duty. Would you give us a hunger and a thirst for you again today? May we leave this place longing to put our eyes upon your truth again. Would you help us to leave this place thirsting 
to pray and communicate with you. And Jesus, as we're filled with you and your righteousness has its way in our life, then help us to be the light this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, our team's going to come and they'll dismiss you guys row by row. And uh, if you want to continue conversations, just head out in the parking lot and enjoy each other's company. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your week and we'll probably see you at Nettie's or something. All right, see you.